Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of sports, DFS, and gambling. With over five years of hot takes and millions of downloads later, I guess he's been doing something right. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. All right, folks. Thursday night football happened. And let's never speak of that Broncos. Uh, well, you know what? I, 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 I almost mind blanked the Colts because literally that game was so terrible that everyone, everyone's retinas were forever scarred by that game. And I don't want to talk about Nathaniel Hackett because he should be fired by now. But what I wanted to say is Nathaniel Hackett's hiring is exactly why that Brian Flores lawsuit needs to see the light of day and be taken seriously by the media. Because how Nathaniel Hackett got hired is one of the most inexcusable inexcusable things about the NFL's overall process for hiring coaches. Because you cannot tell me that that guy, being as in over his head as he is, as an NFL head coach, didn't have something to do with the fact that he was not... Uh, handle with a proper interview process to identify why he was so unprepared uh, to be in an NFL head coach. You've got multiple people being brought in to help him along. It's clearly obvious no one's buying into what he's doing. His uh, play scheme makes no sense. And it, it's just pitiful because you have literal odds on the coaches, coaches getting fired Hackett jumped to the top of the list. I would bet Matt Rule if I had an option. Um, I think Rule's going to get fired sooner. But Frank Reich's on that list. Frank Reich is a solid enough coach, but he backed for yet another trade of a player in Matt Ryan who you guys heard me over the years that I've I've always thought that Matt Ryan was probably washed in the NFL. And that Kyle Shanahan... Uh, gave him a plateau that he never actually deserved in terms of his ranking as an NFL quarterback. But the truth of the matter is, is that Frank Reich chose to trade for Matt Ryan, and that's why he deserves to get fired too. Like you made an executive decision with uh, the GM Chris Ballard to trade for Matt Ryan. You gotta live with those consequences. The consequences are your team ain't any good. You should. You probably should have traded. Uh, you probably should have drafted Malik Willis, and hope for the best. The Titans uh, drafted uh, Willis. I don't know what the hell the Colts were thinking. He was there. Yeah, it's a project, but whatever you're doing with Matt Ryan right now ain't working. They the the Colts, even without Jonathan Taylor, you saw how pitiful that future looks. Uh. <sighs> Absolutely abysmal game. Terrible for the Amazon ratings uh, because uh, everyone knows how much money Amazon paid, but someone actually did the math of the contract Amazon signed. Amazon paid $83 million to broadcast that 
that schluck <laughs> in overtime, twelve to six. Uh, I, I, I mean, I don't know what 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 else do you want to say about that game? And like that was a brutal, brutal game to watch. Like there, there's nothing there's nothing else to say. Uh, I, I, I like I don't I don't know. I don't know what else can you possibly say about that. I mean, I said 12-6, 12 to nine. Uh, I, I, I shortchanged. Uh, I shortchanged the, the Broncos a field goal. Uh, I mean, the, the game was just r- absolutely brutal to watch. Absolutely brutal. I, I, I don't know what else you could say about it. It's only field goals. It was one of the most brutal games. I, I didn't think we could see a worse game than Broncos 49ers, but we actually got one. But again, it's it, it it encapsulates what we see wrong with the NFL. They got terrible hiring practices. You cannot be hiring dudes on the sole basis that they know a guy. They hired Nathaniel Hackett so they could get Aaron Rodgers. Who's to say Aaron Rodgers was enough for the Broncos to win a Super Bowl? Yes, it, it puts him in position, but like this guy clearly doesn't know what the hell he's doing. The, 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 what was that going to do? Uh, even if you did get Aaron Rodgers, does Nathaniel Hackett inspire any confidence that he knows what he's doing to allow Aaron Rodgers to win, even if you did get him? No. That's why you actually have to interview someone when you before you hire him. The NFL's not even doing that. They're just saying he had a great interview. I, I don't know what... The, I don't know what the hell the questions are. Do you think the sky is blue? Like, what is your actual interview process? You, do they actually know? Do they actually know situational football and actually go through NFL situations as part of the interview process? I'm very curious because I think it's clearly obvious watching how some of these guys coach games that they don't do this at all. Because the game management piece has been a colossal failure across the board for NFL coaches. And I'll, I'll t- bring up a coach who's actually good, but he's effing up royally in terms of, and then saying he's using analytics. John Harbaugh has been claiming that his decisions to go for it and go for two uh, in some of these situations that has cost the Baltimore Ravens multiple games are driven by analytics. And I could say that analytics is just data. You could be looking at garbage data in terms of your argument because in the game that he had the other day, because they were, they were tied with the Bills with four minutes ago. They're tied. He decides to go for it. And again, it's not as though it's a gimme in terms of where they were down the distance-wise in the goal line to convert the touchdown. They are the argument that people will say is that the uh, failure rate is not as bad because you only lose the game 50% of the time. The data is garbage on this. Here's the reason why it's much higher than 50% because of the fact that if you don't kick the field goal and go up three, all the Bills need to do is get 40 yards to kick a game winning field goal. Which is what they did. Uh, they, yes, you could argue that they get, they were aided by the roughing the passer penalty that gave them an extra 15 yards to make it a chip shot field goal. Yeah, 
That happens sometimes in the NFL. But here's the thing. You got a top five offense, and you're saying that they can't get 40 yards. It's, it's more likely that it's a 65 to 70% chance you lose the game off that decision if you fail. You're arguing if you succeed. The play calling is different if you actually go up by a field goal because it forces the Bills to think, oh, wait a second, if we go too aggressive with our play calling here, we at least need to tie this game, not go for the win. The fact that these coaches who think they're God's gift to coaching and play calling keep thinking in their heads that, oh, well, you know, if my success rate is this, it's going to work out because I believe in myself. Well, you can believe in yourself all you want, but you actually have to have some risk mitigation in terms of what you're doing. If you have a chance to win, take the chance to win. But they keep arguing the best chance to win. That is a relative term. Your best chance to win is actually taking an opportunity to win in the first place. Leaving it on the table... To say, oh, well, you know, we're not going to be in a winning position now, but, like, we went for the best, most optimal chance to win. Uh, I I got news for you. You're not going to hit every chance you uh, take. Like, every shot you take, like, there's a chance you can miss. And these guys keep acting as though they're Steph Curry shooting a wide-open jump shot. You are not Steph Curry. Your failure rate is much higher than you actually give yourself credit for. And so I've seen this happen multiple times. And we're going to see it again with that doofus Brandon Staley in San Diego. I promise you this. We're going to see it again with Brandon Staley. And sooner or later, you guys are going to come around to my way of thinking. Because I, I hear you guys, like, I can already hear people groaning. It's like, and probably saying, like, oh, here goes Dwayne ranting about analytics again. You could say you're using analytics. But analytics is just data. The data that folks have been going off of are trying to cite games from 50 years ago. Like, and I hope people understand this about the, uh, the decisions for going for two points. They're citing games from 50 years ago as part of the data collection pool of why they're going for it. Because historically these are X number of games. They they're incorporating all sorts of games before the rule changes, before it made it much easier for offenses to score. So I hope people understand the context of what I'm talking about here. The data you can say you're basing your analytics on, I think some of it is absolute garbage because the rules have changed. The game has changed. You actually have to think about this stuff a lot more than folks are doing. And I'm telling you, NFL coaching has gotten to a stage where they are acting more like the reckless guy at the blackjack table making plays that don't make a ton of sense and everyone's kind of looking at him saying like, oh, well, you know, he's playing the odds. No, no, you're not playing the odds. It's actually suboptimal some of the plays that you're making. If you're reading the table right, but they think they're card counting and they are not card counting. I I can promise you that. They they are not seeing the table. So (laughs) it's just one of those things where I, I just... I'm so frustrated with this because if Harbaugh was up by a point, I could say maybe you can make the case where, yeah, 
it makes sense. Because you gave yourself a chance to where it was like, okay, going up four. Yeah, there's a chance the Bills could score a touchdown. That's fine. You can make that argument. I would say that your play calling should be able to predicate this, keep them out of the end zone with four minutes left, or force the Bills into a situation where they got to make the decision, can we kick the field goal and still get another stop to get the ball back? Because that's another thing teams uh, have tried to do in the, in the past. And it's worked in the past. The the analytics would uh, uh, someone would make the argument that like that's a flawed way of approaching it, but we've seen people go conservative in terms of some of their play calling, especially when they know they are uh, not in the same boat after uh, after like uh, you know you overthink a situation. Now I would say that again, Harbaugh is a good coach. I'm not saying John Harbaugh should get fired. So, you know, some folks will get melodramatic. It's like, John Harbaugh, I at least know, can coach. But sometimes you can start believing your own BS. And I do think John Harbaugh needs to take a step back and reevaluate some of the decisions he's made. Because it's not to say that you're going for the best possible way of winning a game and not ignoring the elephant in the room of, Yeah, but you're taking your other options of winning the game off the table when you make such rash decisions. I I think it's something that has to be uh, uh, called out on the carpet because it it doesn't the it doesn't line up. And you can look say you're basing off of analytics, but if your if your data has some garbage in it, it's garbage in, garbage out. And folks need to understand this. They absolutely need to understand this because it's 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 happening way too often in NFL games. And it's frustrating to say the least from my perspective because I'm watching this and I'm saying to myself, this is not the way it's supposed to be done. It, it, there's no way you can justify some of the decisions that have been made by NFL coaches. All right, we're going to get into the uh, MLB playoffs uh, in a, uh, right after uh, we take a quick break. Uh, so stay tuned, folks. Uh, but, uh, yeah, more to come, uh, uh, as we come back from the break. So, uh, bear with me. Don't go anywhere. The fantasy throwdown podcast. will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. All right, so let's talk about these long overdue baseball changes uh, to the playoff format 
it, and it is a change for the better, thankfully. Like, there are many things that baseball screws up. This ain't one of them. So, for the wild card round, they finally gave priority to division winners, where you can actually have a division winner, even if they aren't the top two division winners, have a home field advantage in the playoffs, at least for this round. So, the top two division winners automatically proceed into uh, the divisional round. In this wild card round, that third division winner has to uh, play one of the wild card seeds, the the lowest wild card seed to make it. So we have three wild card seeds. You get two wild card seeds playing each other. You got one wild card seed playing a division winner. They expanded the uh, postseason. So you have more teams making the playoffs, even though you got baseball teams still not even trying to win. But that's another story for another time. So that's why you've got... uh, You've got four uh, playoff matchups this round and still teams that have uh, yet to play and have an extended break for rest. So this first round uh, wildcard matchup in the AO, uh, let's get it out of the way. You've got the Rays playing the Guardians. This is is one of those uh, things where, you know, the Guardians aren't very good. They're only minus 120 favorites. This is a coin flip matchup. Could the Guardians win this series in a sweep? Yeah. Because the issue for the Guardians is the same issue the Rays have. Neither one of these teams can score. Both teams have pitching. Neither team can score. This series is strictly coming down to who can get some fluky hits or hit a home run is going to win this series. Because neither team is going to generate much in offense. So you you can bet the under in basically every one of these games. If it goes three, bet the under every game. Because these teams aren't hitting. The Rays have been trying to match up with folks. But the Rays are so banged up and injury depleted that, you know, I don't think they have much in the way of horses. Yeah, Wanda Franco is technically back, but... He hasn't been looking good for a while now. It, it, the Rays are just injured. So, Jose Ramirez, uh, at least you got uh, Jimenez. Uh, they've got uh, the uh, the Guardians have some pieces. Quan has played well this year. I just think that the Guardians should win this series. I just don't know if they will because, again, these are going to be low-scoring games. Shane Bieber, McClanahan, I expect to kind of cancel each other out. Uh, Tyler Glass now should be pitching in this series. The Rays at least have arms to shut down the Guardians, and the Guardians, likewise, are going to be throwing out uh, uh, some arms as well. As long as they don't use Plesak, uh, the Guardians should be okay in this uh, uh, three-game series for the wild card round. I, I think again, this this is a coin flip matchup and the odds reflect it, but I would just be taking the under in terms of runs every single game. I don't think either one of these teams scores uh, very much. So uh take take from that what you will, but uh this is the least appealing wild card matchup. Next up we've got the Blue Jays hosting the Mariners. The Mariners finally back in the postseason after 21 years, I believe, 
is the playoff absence since the last time the Mariners made it uh, to the postseason with the 114-win team coached by Lou Piniella. Uh Interesting series here because the Blue Jays have had issues with their pitching all year long. It's the reason why they never made any serious run against the Yankees. The only reason why they overtook the Rays is because the Rays got hurt. If the Rays were healthy, the Blue Jays would have been playing the Guardians. And I think that might have been a better matchup for the Blue Jays, truth be told. Because Seattle has uh, Julio Rodriguez, Cal Raleigh, uh, Ty France. Like, the Blue Jays, uh, I mean, the Blue Jays have some issues with their pitching staff that I think the Mariners are going to be able to score runs on that Blue Jays staff. That's the concerning part with the Blue Jays. I I know the Blue Jays have offense. You don't have to worry about Vlad, Vlad Jr., Bo Bichette, Springer. Like, those guys are going to score runs. So, whereas in the uh, first series, I was saying take the under, I would take the over in, in this series. So, um, gay, uh, like, uh, for this first uh, game, uh, you've got uh, an over-under line of four. take the over. It It's one of those things where... Even though you've got pitching, I just think that the starters. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not convinced by Luis Castillo. I. I, I honestly, the Mariners traded for him because the Reds gave up on the baseball season as soon as the collective bargaining agreement was signed, and eventually Castillo was traded uh, to the Mariners. Uh, but beforehand, uh, the Mariners were able to get Jesse Winker from. Uh, the Reds, as well as Eugenio Suarez. Also, one of the reasons why I think Brian Cashman is a terrible GM, uh, because I talked about this at length with the baseball preview, those trades should have never gone under the Yankees' nose the way that they did. That like That's embarrassing. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but, yeah, I look at this series. Um, the Blue Jays are favored because it's a three-game series in Toronto. Crowd's going to be rocking. Minus 165 favorite. Problem is, I think this is the odds of this one are closer to what we see in the Cleveland series. I think the Blue Jays are probably closer to a minus one thirty five favorite than a minus one sixty five. I think it, it's the line's a little wide. It's not horrifically wide, but I think the Mariners can win this series because I think this is going to be an offense driven series. I, I I think it's just a matter of who get who gets the last at bat and. The Blue uh, Blue Jays just can get some runs, more runs across the board late. But I think when the, it comes to the bullpen, I think both these teams are going to give up tons of runs. I don't, I don't like their chances of advancing beyond this round. I think whomever matches up against, because I think I think the Guardians uh, eventually beat the Rays in three. But it's not close, but the Guardians will match up against the Yankees, and then the winner of this series will match up against Houston. I think Houston smokes both of these teams. So, to me, it's just a case of bet the over on the runs. I think the Mariners are live as a dog. I think the Rays are even more live as a dog, but in the AL wildcard matchups, I, I think um, there's some value to be had with the underdogs, but it's not tremendous value. In the NL, we've got the Phillies at the Cardinals. This is the best matchup the Phillies could have gotten. 
the Phillies struggle against left-handed pitching. The Cardinals, their best left-hander is Jordan Montgomery. For some reason, the Cardinals are throwing out uh, Quintana in Game One. I don't, I don't get it. I think Montgomery is far and away the <laughs> been their best pitcher in the second half of the season. I, I, I don't, I don't understand this because it doesn't even look like Wainwright's pitching Game Two either. It looks like it's going to be uh, Jose Quintana and Miles Michaelis. I, I I don't know what the cards are doing. It, it looks like the cards are trying to save pitchers for the next round because they think they're that much better than Phillies. I, I don't think that's the case. Uh, the, and the oddsmakers are saying the same thing. The cards are the cards are minus one thirty five favorite. Honestly, I think if the cards had set their pitching rotation up correctly. They'd be a minus one sixty favorite. I, I think Vegas is looking at this the same way I am. What the hell are the cards doing with their pitching staff? Because this is actually giving the Phillies a chance to actually win this series by extending it. I, I think the longer it goes, the more it favors the Phillies. Because the Phillies offense I trust more than the Cardinals offense. The Cardinals' offense has been driven by Albert Pujols, who is retiring at the end of the year, if you did not know. But in terms of offense, Albert Pujols has hit the second most home runs in the Major League Baseball, second only to Aaron Judge. Albert Pujols. He's in his 40s, folks. That Albert Pujols, the Hall of Famer, somehow has hit 700 home runs. We are not going to question on this show how he got the 700 home runs, but I do have my do like I do have my doubts on the validity of what we've seen in the second half of the year that Albert Pujols could be the second best hitter in baseball uh, over the second half of the season and somehow turn back the clock the way that he had, did. A little sus. It's a little sus. I'm not gonna lie, but uh, yes, the Cardinals still have Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. But Goldschmidt has not been that guy this year. Arenado has put up some number. I, I, I'm I'm a little skittish on the cards here, to be perfectly honest with you. I don't like the fact that they are using their lineup the way that they are. Uh, so I, if you're a Phillies, I would say that the Phillies are absolutely live here because you still have the best player in the series in Bryce Harper. I, I think it's clear that Bryce Harper is the best player in the series. Uh, Kyle Schwarber is a beast of the postseason when it comes to hitting. Uh, Castellanos, we'll see how he performs. It was not the year that he wanted, certainly, but it's a new season in the playoffs. I'm very curious about this Phillies team because lineup-wise, I think they're better than the Cardinals. And because the Cardinals pitching staff, the way they set it up, I think they put themselves in a bad spot to lose the series somehow when if they set it up properly, I think they would, uh, they, they, they would be a uh, much, uh, uh, much more, uh, safer favorite for people to back. Moving on to the final wildcard matchup. We've got the Mets hosting the Padres. Listen, we all know the story of the Mets. They had the division lead for the entire time. Uh, pretty much all of the regular season. I told folks the Braves were going to catch them in the end. People kept telling me that was wrong. And then like, you know, uh, the Braves are better than the Mets. 
it took it, it took the Braves a while to catch up because of how well the Mets were playing. But eventually, the Braves did catch them, and they took uh, and they basically beat the Mets down to close out the year. Um, in, in the in closing series in September, like it it was not close of a sweep to lock down the division. The Mets are minus one eighty five favorite as they should be. This series comes down to. Max Scherzer was paid the bag for this postseason. I think each year that the Mets don't win with Scherzer, that contract looks worse and worse by the time. I don't trust Scherzer's body to hold up over the course of postseason. This is what my outset was from the Mets, and it's holding true. I don't trust Scherzer's body to hold up over the course of the uh, postseason. I expect them to handle the Padres, true uh, be told. I think this is a sweep. But as soon as Scherzer starts breaking down, you got to start looking at Jacob Degrom hard because Jacob, Jacob Degrom is going to get paid the bag in this offseason. If you are asking Jacob Degrom to go pitch twice in a seven game series, I think there's a real chance that Jacob Degrom comes up with some excuse to not pitch two games in a series that he needs an extra day of rest. Or he kind of shuts himself down in the start. Like, I think there's a real chance that Jacob DeGrom pulls the cord on the Mets and doesn't go uh, go full t- uh, full blast for the team. I could be wrong, but I know folks are worried about uh, Scherzer just being injured. I just think that there's a real chance that it's DeGrom folks need to be worried about more than Scherzer as we get further and further into this postseason. But I expect Scherzer's body to break down at some point. I don't think it's this round, but the Mets do scare me moving forward. I would just say that uh, the biggest thing is, do we get enough of a showing from the Padres? Because the Padres have been a complete mess this year. Um, Juan Soto, since getting traded, uh, just has not been... And they were close to in form. Brandon Drury was their best hitter in the second half of the year, by far. It's just not a good look. Um, and we're going to see if Manny Machado can actually be that dude. Because Manny Machado was paid to be that dude. Wasn't getting it done. Fernando Tatis Jr. came along. He became the dude. Manny played second fiddle. Tatis acted the fool. Has been... Getting himself hurt, got popped for PEDs. He's not going to be eligible to play, obviously. Manny's got to be the guy. This is what he was paid to do. So, at a certain point, Manny's got to step up. If the Padres are going to win, Manny Machado has got to step up. And if the Padres somehow advance, they're going to play the Dodgers. And just getting past this round ain't good enough. The Padres actually have to show up against the Dodgers. I don't even think they show up against the Mets. So that tells you my level of confidence in in the Padres, just because I think they're soft. The Mets, you know, everyone's getting crazy about Mets making a World Series run. I don't think the Mets are on that level yet. But the problem is they are on a ticking time clock, and I don't know if... uh, if they're actually going to be able to, uh, 
uh, to meet the lofty expectations set forth. I think the Mets are going to spend money in the offseason, and they're going to go hard after Aaron Judge no matter what. But I don't think the Mets are even remotely safe uh, of a team long-term in the postseason. But I think they take care of the Padres because I just think the Padres are frauds. So that's the way I kind of look at uh, at the uh, the wild card round. We'll see how the, the matchups play out, but uh, I'm going to go and get out of here. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the baseball over the weekend, and we will uh, catch up for NFL Sunday. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major outlets. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.